It's the Breaking Barriers Podcast, brought to you by Say Yes Buffalo, the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable, and the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo. Here's your host, Daniel Robertson. I know you're going to dig this. Hello and welcome to the Breaking Barriers Podcast. Um, I'm joined today by Corey Green and also Dwayne Sawyer, a member of the uh, Breaking Barriers Youth Leadership Council. We're here today and we're going to hear from Corey a little bit about some of the work that he's been doing in the city of Buffalo. Uh, So without further ado, uh, Corey, why don't you kind of introduce yourself and uh, let our listeners know a little bit about uh, everything that you've been doing. Uh, Hey, everybody out there. My name is Corey Green, uh, born and raised from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Been making movies since 2005. Uh, My first film, The Forgotten City, um, really was birthed out of a tragedy. Uh, A close friend of mine... Uh, killed uh, another one of my buddies, his friend, and we kind of wanted to do something to kind of bridge the gap on, you know, certain things that happen in our city, whether it's, um, you know, drugs, politics, racism. So we just kind of combined everything together, and I wrote like a quick synopsis, and uh, we just did it. You know, I went to school for writing, but um, I realized that... um, my writing can be a lot more powerful if I become a director and I actually can get what's out my head visually. So okay. that's where it all started. And um, <laughs> did The Forgotten City and, you know, did projects after that. And here I am today. My latest uh, documentary right now is called The Blackness Project. So The Blackness Project, I actually had a chance to uh, go to the, uh, the initial screening at Birchville Penny. It was a, a great piece of work. And I'd love for you to kind of tell us a little more about that. I know it kind of birthed out of the uh, a project that was actually done uh, focusing on uh, focusing on the whiteness project, right. which actually had uh, I think it was about twenty one different uh, individuals, uh, well, uh, Caucasian uh, folk from uh, Buffalo, New York. Yeah, uh, that kind of uh, is where uh, the blackness project emerged from. So, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, before I even get into the blackness project, I got this picture. Uh, Shouts out to uh, Jamil Cruz. We uh, had a panel afterwards, and I don't know if you heard like the controversy around the panel. We had I did. Con- you did. I was Everybody upset. did. I was one of those individuals that was upset and kind of hollering a little bit in the background. It was uh, it was like fifty <laughs> fifty. I had like half the people upset with me, and the other half understood that um, you know certain people, whether it's Carl or Tim Howard or anybody, whether it's local or far, uh, to start making people accountable. And that was my goal, to uh, have a panel and then have the audience ask questions on the panel and kind of create a dialogue that way. But um, we uh, wound up running out of time and we had to get out of there. But I got this picture of Jamil. He's like next to uh, Paladino. And when Paladino starts talking, Jamil does this. And he just looks straight. He don't blink for like three minutes. <laughs> it was a lot of people doing that. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody, yeah, I think everybody was on the edge of their seats and was kind of... I don't know, you know, he uh, he said so much crazy things, so people didn't know what to really expect. And my goal was to really, I feel like if we're going to evolute, uh, ev- elevate the uh, conversation on race, uh, you know, we got to have everybody speaking on it. I mean, I think us as young black men, we kind of know where we stand, what we've been through, what we still go through. Of it's course. time for other people to understand that and to get them to understand that, you know, we got to... We got to say things that they don't want to hear, and we got to listen to things that we don't want to hear. So 
Uh, that was my goal with that uh, on the first screen. And then even the second one we did, it, like, it was so amazing because I, the next one we did was at uh, Unitarian Church on Elmwood. It was exactly what I wanted the first one to be. After the film, you know, all nationalities, all races, everybody is talking and giving a piece. And that's what happened on the last one. Like, the last panel discussion almost lasted almost three hours. And wow. That's the goal, you know, to mm -hmm. use the Blackness Project as like an engine to get people talking about race and then go from there. And it's just like, you'll be amazed, like uh, some of the things that people said. We're actually doing a whole nother piece on just the panel. So we'll have like another, we'll probably put it out like on um, social media with all the panel discussions. Okay. So. I wanted to bring up the fact that I know there was a lot of emotion, you know, during the whole making of the movie and, you know, currently about the situation. And after watching, you know, The Whiteness Project, how did you feel? Like, what motivated you to even, you know, think about being a part of, the, you know, The Blackness Project? Well, when I first watched it, it's, I think the natural thing, first with the title, like, wow, okay, all white people talking about you know, their problems, their issues, affirmative mm -hmm. action and privilege. And it's just like, do this really needs to be said? Do this really need to happen? Like, I mean, come on. And then when I watched it, of course, I was upset. It was some things that were uh, outlandish, uh, biased. And I had to go back and watch it again because the first time I was just like, I was really upset. And I was actually filming, wrapping up a film, a feature film, The Romans, and I was just kind of thinking about what was my next project mm -hmm. uh, while we were wrapping up that film. So I went back and watched it again. And this time, you know, I was over the anger. I was over, you know, the bigotry, the, the bias. I was over everything. And I watched it again with a different set of eyes. And this time, I, I got more of an understanding of, um, you know, this it, race is a tough subject. So mm -hmm. for those people to speak candid as they did, you know, I start looking at it like, you know, we can actually use this as a forum to get started. So if I make a project and not to be combative or have something versus a whiteness project, but to have something that speaks to it and then take that and then talk about uh, some of the issues we face as black Americans. And um, it really just spawned in a lot of different ways, a lot of different areas. I mean, we went to over five, six different cities. Uh, we work with Ancestry.com in Utah. So a lot of things spawned out with me just wanting to interview African-Americans and their struggles uh, with race in America. Okay, so we, we're still continuing the conversation about the motion and the you know amount of effort that took place while making this extraordinary movie. It was just simply amazing. Thank you. So hats that. off to you. I mean, the amount that of effort and the... Uh, intelligence brought to the table was just it was it was i was speechless to be honest Thanks. Thank uh, you. watching the trailer just saw everyone so motivated it touched you a little bit you know to want to want change right and i see that you you know got out there you want change and you went for it did you know what you was getting yourself into of course i mean it was like uh i started uh, Obama was still in office, so whatever was going on, I just felt like America at the time, we had more of a togetherness, and obviously it was a historical moment for us as black Americans with the first black president, mm -hmm. but I could see like even towards the end and like even like certain things where it kind of made certain people even more racist because it almost seemed like, you know, 
it was still people that you know were kind of upset about the president. So it almost started there, right at the top, until mm-hmm. me just traveling all the time. And then I guess when you're in Buffalo and you're just going daily, you know, sometimes you just kind of like numb to it. But then you realize. We're not very inclusive. When you go to other places and you come back here and you realize, okay, black people go over there, white people go over there. And if we go over there, it's only a sprinkle of us and we have to fit a certain criteria. We got to have the suit on. We got to have the collar shirt. If I go in with a hoodie and a jeans, obviously I can't be educated because I got a hoodie on. And it's just things like that that really bother me. I'm like, I'm from the streets. I'm from east side of Buffalo, from Delavan. Still educated, you know, still, you know, did everything I was supposed to do, but I can't help where I'm from. I'm from the hood and I don't feel like I should have to change. I have to switch up to who I really am to fit in a crowd. Like who said, like, you know, it's not okay to wear hoodies. Who said we have to dress a certain way or speak a certain way to be in a a place to be accepted. And if that place doesn't accept us, we need to stop patronizing them all together. So Corey, it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, Earlier today, I was having this conversation with my mentor about how we as young men, well, we as uh, men of color, black men, have to kind of present ourselves in certain spaces. And this came up because tomorrow we're taking our Youth Leadership Council to uh, Fredonia for a Men of Color Summit. And I was asked to speak on the panel this year. So part of me wanted to just, part of me wants to um, demonstrate to young men how they should dress. for an event like that, right? You're sitting on a panel, uh, it's a professional setting. But the other part of me wants to be in sync with the rest of my group tomorrow that's gonna wear we're gonna wear our breaking barriers t shirts and you know wear a blazer and some jeans and just kinda kick back because right. um, I struggle with this sometimes because in certain spaces you have to present yourself a certain way because the first thing that a group or an individual may look at is how you're dressed. Right. And they have to get past that before they can even get to the fact that you're going to have something intelligent to bring out of your mouth. So that bothers me a little bit. So the fact that you just brought that up, yeah, I feel like we should be able to be present ourselves in any way and still be looked at as, okay, intelligent, professional, um, able to bring something to the table. But that's being in tune with our people and in tune with what we're doing and not worried about. For so long, I feel like, and we don't recognize it or realize it, we actually, as a people, are trying to fit in and trying to fit into a society saying this is correct or that is correct. And, you know, like like my favorite director right now is obviously Ryan Cooler. Oh, And man. let me tell you why. And, and it's not even about, like, the great movies. I'm just talking about the mo and the barriers that he's breaking. Like, I, I have seen uh, the makings of Black Panther. And he got, like, his shirt on. He got his fitted on. He got the beard out. And I'm like, yes. Because when I was on my set like that, and not to mention, I know it's other filmmakers out there, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the filmmakers that have been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. And on my set, one of the other producers come on set. He didn't know I was the director. Like, who's the black, big black criminal? I had a hoodie on. Mm-hmm. And this is somebody that's coming to work for me, told somebody else didn't know he was coming to work for me. So, obviously, I had to fire him get him off the set. But it's like... We're criminals because we dress the way we dress. Because right. we have a hoodie on. I mean, you know, Trayvon loses life because he looks suspicious. Right. And I, I think it's just, it's too much of us trying to fit in. And we got to get back to like that, you know, that 70s and that, you know, that 60s, 70s, say it loud, I'm black and all. 
Embrace your blackness. Be happy to be who you are. And and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that with the Blackness Project, and I'm not trying to go about it as, like, the angry black man because nobody's going to listen to that. Like, uh-oh, here we go again, you know? Right, right. So I'm trying to go with, uh, I guess, intelligently and universal so it speaks to everybody so we can really, really be heard and uh, make the changes that we need, you know? Uh, just with my neighborhood and even all the part, all around other ghettos, like, we just keep losing in the era where it's like the age of technology, all these great things happening. How can we still be going to jail at a high rate? How is the unemployment still at a high rate? How is all this still happening? How are we all still these, in poverty? Right, and right. all these great things are happening. And and it's like, we we consider the brokers, unemployed, uneducated, this and that, but we the highest spenders. We spend the most money. And I just think like, you know, it's all because our dressing and all kind of other things, Jordans and all. We got to start spending our money wise. And instead of buying your kids every pair of Jordans that come out, give them some piano lessons. Give them a, a trade lesson. Give them something that they can use in life and not, after one scuff, don't want to wear it no more. $300 sneakers. And, I like, we just wash. A lot of what you're talking about, Corey, is really with, with people of color in general, uh, specifically African Americans. A lot of that is mindset, right? So... Going back to some of the uh, some of the things you were talking about earlier in regards to just its narrative, um, we constantly have these narratives and see these images on social media and on television, and we want to portray portray that. And part of what I what I feel is so powerful about the Blackness Project is that we had a chance to kind of share our narrative for a change, right? And that's one of the things that we're trying to do with the Youth Leadership Council by elevating youth voice. Um, Utilizing young people to change the narrative that surrounds people of color. Right. Dwayne, you can talk um, about that because you you know you're a part of the council. Right. Um, I mean, this whole ordeal is just. I'm like I said, I'm speechless. There's so much being done in our communities nowadays that it's a lot to take in. Right. There's so many people who still against it for whatever reason. That may be their problem. That's you know that's their prerogative, but it's ours. To make a movement, and we are doing that slowly but surely. Right. And people like you that inspire so many teens and youth, and you know, etc. It's just, it's breathtaking. I mean, you, your work is impeccable. Thanks. You're constant. You're strict, and you keep it 100. I mean, there's a lot of people who need to keep it 100 that don't. I mean, our communities need the help it deserves. Enough is enough. I'm, you know, I'm tired of it. You are tired of it. Everyone's and I think over it. Us as young black men, um, we got to make each other accountable again. And if I do something wrong and you know who I am and you know what I do, you should be able to check me and listen. That's right. not right. You know, you got kids watching. It's, it's not a good look. We should be able to correct each other in a positive way. And I just feel like we don't. It's all talk. It's all Facebook. It's all, let me just try to leave a clever... Facebook thugs. You know, right. Let me try to just leave like a, a clever a clever comment or something. And it's not no real thought or no real feeling behind it. And I think um, it's, a, it's a call for action. So I'm calling to all... And this is for black men. I'm just speaking to us in general because we are the leaders. We got to take back our homes. Take back just that, you know, that, that pride. And not, you know, be so... Involved with what's going on, we forget about family life. We forget about the real things that's important because we got all these facades really, really blocking the vision. So, if you see me 
and I'm not doing something, I'm, I sh- please put me to the side and correct me. And please. See, that's another thing. <laughs> you, you personally may have that, you know, attitude, but there are so many people out there who don't. Some people cannot stand constructive criticism right. at all. And that's another thing. For order for somebody to have, you know, to even listen to criticism, they got to be able to take it. And you got to dish right. it out. Well, we can't be scared of each other. That's I can't be thing. scared mm-hmm. to tell you when you're wrong. And you can't be scared to tell me when I'm wrong. I mean, I, you know, and I hate to be so, like, black and white, but, like, or at this any point, other, it has you, got there. But what I mean is, like, no one else is going to care. They're going to, listen, you shouldn't be doing this. And they're going to go back and forth. So why can't we do it amongst brothers, amongst ourselves? You know, separate. I mean, keeping us separate has been that has been like for me. I think that's been the biggest way to actually keep us down is to make sure that we're not unified. Of course, uh, destroying our black, killing our black leaders, making people scared to even step up to be a black leader in fear of getting killed or going to jail because that's what they do once we take the podium and we take charge. That's what wind up happening. Mm-hmm. So now we're scared to become leaders. And now we're so scared of each other. Like, you know, I know people that will feel way more comfortable going into a room full of white people than they would in a room full of black people. That's a problem. It is. That's a problem. And you know, we gotta we gotta find ways to uh, stop talking so much and start doing much. These young kids need to see us doing. They need to see us in these streets, opposed to just us putting up a clever stat here and there. Like that's not working. So, Corey, with that, I guess my question would be. Um, cause I feel like there's been almost a, there's a generational gap between, uh, our elders, you and I, sure. you know, we're, we're in a, we're on the, I guess I still consider myself a millennial, a younger millennial. <laughs> well, we, well, well, 90s hip hop. Let's just then, call us 90s hip hop. Okay. 90s, we'll roll with 90s, 90s hip hop. Yeah. But then we have Dwayne and his, uh, group of younger millennials. So you're in your 20s. No, no, he's still in high school. You're still in high school? He's still in high school. Wow. You, gra- you graduate next, next year. year. Next year. Next wow. year. junior right now. So uh, we have his, our generation, and we had the generation before us, right? And I feel with that generation before us, they still kind of instill some values and principles mm-hmm. in our generation, mm-hmm. right? For sure. But then it's kind of on our generation, right, to make sure that we're putting into the generation that's coming behind us, and it's, all, it's the, like this huge disconnect it's almost it's as almost, if yeah, the right, values right, and principles right. that some of us got from the older generation right. this generation that's coming up now it's not they haven't got any of that at all so it's how do we in this uh age that we're in now kind of connect and build up these young leaders that um like like Dwayne um, like those young men that are sitting on our council, how do we get through to those young men? Well, it took me a while to uh, really figure that out because we're so used to saying like, "Y'all should be like this," or "Y'all should be like that." This is how we was growing up. This is how we, you know what I mean? And now it's uh, I, first of all, let me just like with millennials, I love the creativeness, the artistry. I mean, I think we at an all time high with that right now. Right, like our young kids right now are like so super creative. They got all the technology in the world to manifest their dreams and make it happen. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off, but speaking on that, um, I go to an art school myself. I'm a communication major. You know, I, I do. You know, <laughs> I do the whole film thing. I've I've done PSAs. I've done. You know, multiple scenes where I had, you know, get behind the camera. I was the director. I had my actors, you know. So just being in the room right now with you and, you know, talking about this, this is like, this is, 
a one of a lifetime deal for me. I've never, you know, been, you know, had one on one with a director, you know, of color about, you know, stuff in that category. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, there is so many youth that, you know, is trying to just trying to improve themselves, you know, get involved more with their skills and, you know, techniques. Um, currently, we may have to, you know, expand our school. There are so many people trying to enroll, trying out. They said next year there should be over 200 people that's supposed to get into the art school. I don't know how. Right. I mean, we, we're we limited, but, you know, that's just the amount of motivation being brought to the table. Well, it's even... Um mentorships and just like you know me growing up in the neighborhood i grew up in single parent home but in contrast to that even growing up i had like 20 fathers like you know real ogs from the hood like and when i mean og i don't mean like you know down to like shoot somebody i'm talking about og like go to school do this and regardless to what they doing like don't be like me kind of thing and i feel like that father figure ogs is gone i don't know what happened or if we got so caught up in our own lives and the you know the economics and what's going on but i feel like nobody is taking the time to pull a young kid to the side and let them know what's right because i was fortunate to have that my entire neighborhood consisted of that you know mm-hmm. so from going from this block to that block he's saying the same thing he's saying he said and they all telling me positivity no don't let these streets swallow you don't let these streets get you constantly beating out of my head and it actually helped me i'm a listener so I would listen, and I would even, like, ask them questions in a story, like, you know, why they shoot you seven times? Like, so like, let me not make a mistake to have that happen. They, they school me. And, I, you know, we're not taking our time with our youth, not the real time. You may say a little something, something cliche, don't do drugs, stay in school, but it's not enough. You got to really sit them down and take that time with them to understand what they're going through. It's easy <laughs> to tell a kid to do this and that, but you don't know. If his mother's on drugs, if they got running water out the house, there's a lot of problems going on in the inner city. They don't even make it to the classroom, and you just wonder, why is this kid a bug out? Why is he acting crazy? So I'm going to jump in on that, Corey, because uh, exactly. with young people, especially now, when you go into the schools and you look at a young person or you're working with a young person, a lot of times you only kind of see the tip of the iceberg. You don't see everything else that's going on with that young person, right? Right. Um, and... To even elaborate more on the point that you made in regards to those, you know, those OGs, those elders, those uh, guys in the neighborhood that, you know, they were doing whatever they were doing and they would make, try to make sure that you didn't take that path. Right. They're, you, as you said, they're missing. They're, they're absent. They're not there. No word yes. So <laughs> when you think about growing up as a young person, a, a young male of color. If you don't have a male figure in your home, the place that you spend the next, your, your biggest, um, the, the place where you spend the, the the most time after home is school. Right. 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 And one of, one of the issues that I've had, and this is just Daniel talking, is that we don't see a lot of males, particularly of color, in some of the school buildings. Never, right. never met the teacher once type thing. I already know. All right. So, and when I have seen a male of color in some of the school buildings, they're typically security. You might have an administrator. You might have uh, a gym teacher or you have them or they work in the uh, cafeteria. Right. Um, so then if you don't have the males at home, you don't have the males in the schools, who are these young men going to look to? Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Young thug. 
NBA young boy. Like this is like, and, and, and that's and that's another thing. Even with music, like, music. I, I had Tupac and Biggie and Al- DMX. They was actually going through things, and I was listening to this music, and it would actually calm mm-hmm. me down. It would help me, and it would make me understand I'm not the only one going through this. Which gave me a sense of hope. And single ladies, please, I love y'all out there. I love y'all so much. But you cannot do it alone. Stop having babies with people that you know is no longevity with. One night stands is not worth a lifetime full of hurt and pain. And I think that's the biggest issue. My mom, she was like whooping me and my brother. Like we would get whoopings all the time. But like seventh grade didn't even hurt no more. So no matter what my mom did to me, she couldn't hurt me no more. I'm talking about breaking plates over my head, hit me with I just it was I was numb. It was over, and that was a time the most that I would have needed like a, a male figure in the house. I and I still had my street dudes, and I still had all that. But when I got home, my mom it was, it was over. It was over. It was no more she can do. And that's what I'm trying to tell. Like you're dealing with the black man. We the strongest being out here. So you're trying to raise a warrior with, you get what I mean? He needs another warrior. And not saying like my ladies can do it. I have like one of the best mothers in the world and she did great. But I I didn't hurt anymore after seventh grade. It was over. And that's what's with these kids. It's over. Like their mom's screaming and yelling. They get desensitized. They can't even hear no more. And then nobody's able to snatch them before they make that fatal move. Whether it's jail or death. So, Dwayne, let me ask you this. In regards to positive male figures, where where do you draw your influence um, as being a young man of color? Where where do you get your positive male influence from? Um, well, I'm fortunate enough to have my father still in my life. So, um, I do base some of my, you know, some of my skills and, you know, techniques on him. And, you know, I just use him for motivation. I mean... He's a role model in my life, but he's also out of state. He lives in Georgia, and I'm in New York. It's, as of right now, I just, you know, that's a what, good question. What impact has your dad had on you? I mean, it, before he left, he um he just told me, just stay true to who I am. I mean, if I ever need help, just hit him up, which, which I do multiple occasions. It's just, he gave me that extra push and, you know, ability to do stuff on my own. You know, don't always go and seek attention that's not necessary seek the right attention you don't want the wrong attention and i keep that with me every day everyday life skills i keep it with me i keep that in my head constantly because if you don't you don't know where you're going to end up and i mean like people in my age range you know or lower is facing problems because they don't have that they don't have like you said they don't have that father figure in their life they don't have that male role model and it's at this point your mom is maybe the best mom in the whole world but I mean there's a point to where she only could do so much exactly there's only a male figure who could tell you what to do because he's been through it exactly. your mother may have not been through that so she can't tell you how it is so by having that male role model in your life that gives you that extra boost and you know give you that extra motivation to do what you need to do so you could become that man given the next person well, the advice needed. Look at a prime example. Look where you, he's at now. Look how well you speak. The brightness and like the, I could see it. Like I appreciate the glow. It. Like and I'm telling you, it, you are a prime example of what I'm talking about. So shouts out to your father. What's your father name? 
His name is Dwayne also. Shouts out to Dwayne if you're listening. <laughs> Shouts I out. You, you, you did a great job. Make sure you're here because he yeah, did a great job. Most it's definitely. That, yeah, it's that time where he can, uh, you know, uh, feel the rewards of all the hard work. So uh, he did a good job. I can already tell. Dwayne, you mentioned problems and issues that young men face, but you didn't necessarily, you didn't really kind of elaborate on some of those problems and issues um, from your standpoint, because a lot of times we as adults always kind of think we know what young people are going through. And, and you, um, you don't, and yeah, right. Rarely we actually hear from you. So um, I want to give you kind of a, a minute to kind of just express some of those problems and issues that uh, young men that you know and are around all the time are kind of facing. Right. The first thing on my list is, of course, poverty is the number one thing on the list. I mean, poverty extends. Not that many people, I'm pretty sure you, you know that. Poverty extends other problems. Sure. When you you don't have the money to do this or that that your friends is doing, you have to f- either work for it or you got to do some other stuff. And that other stuff can be selling drugs, stealing, you know, stuff that spiral into something that it shouldn't be. And I mean... That's another thing. Poverty is a problem in our communities now. I mean, people don't be having the money to do the stuff they want to do as kids, like going to malls. Like you said, buying the new J's that cost $300. They, they don't even have $100. Right. So they seek to where they need to get that money so they can buy those new J's and, you know, show their friends that they got money. And, you know, you know, same thing. Just trying to show off. I mean, that's another problem. And gang violence. Oh. Even before you get to gang violence, I want to ask you a question. Because I would never want to grow up with, like, the social media and just everything mm-hmm. is everybody business. Like, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, me and my dudes, like, we, we would fight each other. We'd be cool the next day. But if we fight now and you punch me in my face and a million people seen it, we could never be cool again. That's so, thing. it's like, I don't know. Like, even with social media, I, I feel like it, I don't know, y'all put... It's too much out there, and it's like even with like Google, you guys don't. It's too easy to get the answer without having to dig for it. Right. Remember how the old library? It may take you fifteen minutes to find a book you want. Right. <laughs> and, and we didn't you used to have to look at a thing. It was like a system. Our Google was encyclopedia. <laughs> but then remember going back to the grandmother's house. It was like it was it was our furniture to have it laced with all the encyclopedia. You know what I mean? And it's just like. It's so hard to get kids to open up a book and kind of see. Like, I could just Google it. Well, you know what they say about books. Oh, hide it. That's where the truth <laughs> is in now. Exactly. You know, I just found out uh, Beethoven was black. Did y'all know that? What? All right. Look it up. It's in the book. It's the way, from the way you can go Google that for us. Oh, I got you. Beethoven <laughs> was black. Okay? Look really? it up. Do your research. Do what it is you need to do. Uh, and this was brought to my attention from Brother... Uh, Henry Starr, he's the violinist. So I'm interviewing, we're doing a show called How I Came Up. And, uh, you know, he works with like fair, I mean, he does like all kind of stuff. So as I'm interviewing him, he had said like, you know, they don't want you to believe like Jesus and Beethoven was black. And he said, wait, 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 wait. And he asked fair kindness. And then, you know, he had to do his research, got a book and yeah, Beethoven, black. Gentlemen, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation today. Uh, I'm getting the cue that we got to kind of wrap up. All right. Uh, Corey, we might have to bring you back again, Corey. You and Let's keep picking it. This is what I do. This is, uh, this is another form, I feel like, of us uh, making the right moves and the right decisions for the youth. Mm-hmm. And just for them to see it from the hair. And not only are we saying it, we're going out and we're living it. So we're backing up our words. We're not just sitting here talking. We're really doing it.
Definitely. Uh, one of the things that we like to do at the end of our podcast is give each of our guests on the uh, on the podcast kind of a, a last word, a chance to kind of just say something very positive, <laughs> encouraging, inspirational to uh, the young men out there. So, uh, Corey, I'm going to let you go first, and then Dwayne, you follow him, and then I'll close us out. Just uh, for me, just hang in there. i just seen too many people cash out uh, too early, and... Just with the amount of stress and, you know, daily life things, you got to stay strong. Uh, you got to stay prayed up and you got to start looking at the things you have opposing what you don't have. You know, if you have a loving family and you don't got the money that you want, be happy that you got people that love you around you. So I feel like certain times it's so cloudy. We can't even recognize the things that we really have and we really should cherish until it's too late. So that'd be my final word. And obviously, you know, check out. Our websites, um, theblacknessproject.org, my film company, blackroseproductionhouse.com, and I'm also a partner with a streaming network, which is like a Netflix, called uh, scovutv.com, which is S-K-O-V-U-T-V.com. All my work is on there, so check it out, and thank you guys for having me. Thank you. No, mine is always stay true to yourself. I mean, there's so many people out here trying to be somebody else that they're not, and... You just need to stay true to yourself. Know where you came from. Don't ever switch up just because somebody else switched up that you know. Stay true to yourself. If you know who you are as a person, don't switch up because you see somebody else switch up. Because, I mean, it's pointless. Hey, man. I'm the guest on the show. How you going? Yeah, where are going to be better than mine? <laughs> hey, man. I'm the guest. Man, listen. <laughs> no, that was, no, for real. I Corey, like that a lot. Corey, every time we bring this guy on a podcast, man, I feel like I'm going to not have my spot the next time we do a podcast, man. He's just trying uh, to take I, over. He dogged me on the final word. Man. <laughs> That's what we want, man. We want to elevate you Thank voice, you. and we want our young people from the council to come on here. And uh, we want them to sit in the seat that I'm sitting, there, sitting in right now. I, I don't. This is, this is going to be there for him eventually. Definitely. Um, with that, uh, I definitely want to make sure I give a shout out to uh, Pete Johnson, your partner. My boy, Pete. In regards to the, uh, he out on set Black right now. Shouts out to Clover. He's out. You know, Pete stay working. That's my guy. So, yeah, and I've known Pete for a long time, and um, just watching him, and I know he has his uh, production company, Xavier, Xavier Productions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, uh, I want to make sure that uh, Corey, thank you. Dwayne, thank you. Uh, thank you to Say Yes Buffalo, the Community Foundation uh, for Greater Buffalo, and also the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable. Uh, with that, I'm Daniel Robertson, I'm signing off. Uh, breaking Barriers. Uh, we'll see y'all next time. Peace. What?